Hello, mortals. Welcome to episode two of Sugar Daddies. If you didn't listen to episode one, make sure to check it out. Some of the conversations will make more sense. Without further ado, welcome to the Babes of Valhalla. Content may not be suitable if you are underage, closed-minded, or immature. We discuss topics that are graphic and sexual in nature. Okay, this is a fun fact that we found um, from Huffington Post. So when the 2012 Republican National Convention took place in Tampa Bay, Florida, SeekingArrangement.com plausibly saw a 25.9% increase of site users stemming from this geographic area. This increase translates to an average of 1,823 daily users increasing to 2,295 accessing the site at this reported time. Uh, The Huffington Post quotes, Politicians in the Republican Party had more than just politics on their mind and continue to state that further evidence suggests that of the 200,000 Sugar Daddy users, 42.1% reportedly identify as Republicans and 34.9% as Democrats. Hmm. So, we all know the politicians are hypocrites, but we just thought that this was funny because time and time again we hear this narrative, right? Like, they're the ones that, like, whether they're Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter politicians end up being the ones that are standing in the way of like progress Mm -hmm. as far as like decriminalization decriminalizing sex work Mm -hmm. or and then here there they are on the sugar daddy website partaking in sex work and it just drives me crazy well i think it's it's so much easier to to step in to something and then step out and then point your finger because that's not your job that's not your livelihood I think it's easier to be on the other side and to just, you know, go to the strip club or watch porn or get a sugar baby or find an escort for, you know, a night every once in a while and be able to like write it off mentally and then make these grander statements about how porn industry is tainting the minds of our children and all these sex workers on the streets are creating issues and I mean, we saw that with the FOSTA-SESTA. You know, a lot of politicians got behind that. And on both sides. On both sides, yeah, exactly. And, you know, if you're not familiar with FOSTA-SESTA, like, we strongly urge you to look it up. It's we'll, we'll maybe do a podcast about it, yeah, where we get a lot of good research. But to, like, very, very briefly sum it up, it was a bill that said it was geared towards sex trafficking, but the implications of the bill actually affected a lot of sex workers and made it unsafe or them unable to practice their sex work online and forced a lot of people to stop using online platforms and having to go back to working on the streets, which is very unsafe. And so it caused this huge ripple in the community where all these people started getting hurt, started fearing for their safety, started fearing for their livelihood. And yeah, people were getting murdered. It was it was huge. And you didn't hear about it in the news. You didn't hear about it unless you knew people who were sex workers mm-hmm. or sex worker advocates, really, because it, it's just an unseen issue. They devised it so that it was marketed, basically, as this is against sex trafficking and child pornography. So, of course, anyone in their right mind is going to be like, 
oh, well, yeah, I'm going to support that because who wants sex trafficking and who wants child pornography? But sex work and sex trafficking get lumped in together way too often and they are not the same thing. We support sex work and we do not support sex trafficking. (laughs) Yeah, no, yeah, we're not into sex trafficking and we're not into child pornography at all. I was working with an organization that was all about sex worker rights and one of the number one questions we got asked when we tried to engage with people was what do you think about sex trafficking and I was like that is not what we're doing that is not what our organization is about you know there are so many organizations that are focused on sex trafficking which is a horrible issue but Mm -hmm. we're looking at sex worker rights we're trying Mm -hmm. to find a way to make these communities safer because this is the oldest profession it is not going away Mm -hmm. and how can we make these men and women safer in this community Mm -hmm. versus keeping them ostracized where they get hurt or they become endangered and they don't have anywhere to go they have no one to turn to yeah exactly exactly i mean and time and time again you know both you and i listen to a lot of you know serial killer podcasts and shows and stuff and it's like how many times are they like well for you know five years they were killing you know prostitutes and and uh you know um whatever any of the quote-unquote you know street people or unwanted Mm -hmm. and the cops Mm -hmm. and the communities were just like whatever because they think like oh hookers end up dead sometimes hookers end up dead yeah exactly that's such a common narrative because those women and men and people who are working in the sex industry who are working in non-privileged forms of sex work especially Mm -hmm. they are at risk they are vulnerable and they are completely ignored. Mm-hmm. And FOSTA, SESTA, and all the politicians that supported that, their blood is on their hands, and yet they're the ones that are logging in to uh, seeking arrangements and looking for services like that. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they it just it just is a it's an old story, it's an old tale, but it just makes me angry. Yeah. So we thought it was a a good point to bring fact. up. <laughs> Good point. Yes, yes. <laughs> we'll we'll end we'll end our our uh, quotes and stats section with uh, with an interesting quote by Brandon Wade, who is the creator of Seeking Arrangements, and this is an interview with the New York Post, and he said, "As I look at the future of traditional relationships, I see divorces, heartbreaks, and broken families. Marriage is messy, but divorce is even messier." Yet marriage is not the only path to happiness or financial security. An arrangement can provide the same benefits as marriage without the risk. Which I thought was just like an interesting, very interesting, because I feel like a lot of people are looking for that. They're looking for happiness, they're looking for financial security, Mm -hmm. and maybe a traditional relationship just isn't working for them. Well, and how many people say, oh, I don't want to get married, you know, I come from a divorced family. Mm -hmm. It's like, well then, I mean, I can see how this would be attractive. Mm -hmm. It's like, I like you, you like me, but we don't have to overcomplicate it. It's going to be, you know, this. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you guys are curious what uh, Brandon Wade looks like, because we Googled him, we thought it was interesting, we are going to be posting a picture of him and his wife on our Instagram account. So make sure you guys give us a follow at Babes of Valhalla on Instagram and Facebook. And you can see that fun picture and um, you'll leave us a little comment on what you think about that. Because we thought it was a big thumbs up. (laughs) 
don't know. You'll see what we mean. We were just like, yeah, he did create seeking arrangements. And he's very open about it. He's like, look, I'm smart. I I am good at business and I am not good at dating. So I created a business where I got to date and marry somebody exactly how I wanted. So, I mean, he's very he's very open about it. I definitely have appreciated the openness, I think, of like the way sugar daddy relationships are organized, where it's like, like how you said before, it's like, this is what I want. This is what I mm-hmm. want to give. Do they match? Okay. I think that that's great because you don't get that. Yeah. Like, if you were on a first date, it'd be really weird if you were like, so I would like to make sure that, you know, you're um, making at least, you know, $250,000 a year by the time you're 35. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to ensure that we go on a cruise once a year. Like, I mean, if you set all <laughs> these things up, like, it, it would just be like, whoa, I yeah. don't even know what your favorite color is. And you're like, that doesn't matter. We're I not th- sure talking that- about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, something I also appreciate on their site, because I, that's how I found all my sugar daddies was through seeking arrangements. What I also liked is there is a section where you explain either the gifts you want to give as a sugar daddy or the gifts you want to receive as a sugar baby. So it's very straightforward. If some sugar daddies, for whatever reason, they cannot do any sort of cash gift, they will tell you what they can do. I would love to buy you clothes. I'd love to buy you, you know, a new computer. I'd love to buy you, you know, new furniture or all of your supplies for school. Maybe a sugar daddy comes to you and they only want to pay for your tuition. You know, they don't want to pay you money that they think you might squander on something else. They know you're a struggling student they specifically would like to give you money for school. And some of them have very specific requirements for what you spend your money on. And so they will only give you money for rent. So they will send your money off to rent. So I just liked that because it was so easy to find. Maybe I don't want money. Maybe what I really need is somebody to take care of my groceries. Mm-hmm. And there's somebody who who is interested only in giving physical gifts, not cash. That makes sense. And I think it also makes sense why some sugar daddies would want to specify that, either because, you know, like large cash withdrawals maybe look Mm -hmm. weird or or they want to, you know, uh, reduce the chance of getting, you know, robbed perhaps because of like tax reasons. I mean, there's lots of reasons why it's like, okay, if you're giving $2,500 a month to somebody, your tax man might be like, okay, what is this? Or your wife. You know, or your wife. Yeah, of course your wife. But the same thing, the same thing with, um, as a sugar baby too, like mm-hmm. if they're just depositing $2,500 a month in your mm-hmm. account, well, you may end up having to claim that, right? If you get audited or this and that. And like, that can be complicated if, if they can't just give you cash. But yeah, I mean, that makes sense because also like, I think too, like a lot of like those types of relationships, like they're, they want it to be based on realness. Like if you say you're in school and you need help with your tuition, I could totally understand them being like, okay, well, I want to help you with your tuition, so I want to see how much you owe. Mm-hmm. Where do I send the check to to pay for your tuition? Like, mm-hmm. they want to be a part of the process and know that that's how you're spending your money. Because I do think with a lot of sex work, unfortunately, you know, people kind of always wonder, like, are you on drugs? Are you lying to me? Are you, right, the single mom thing? I get mm-hmm. that all the time at the club. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, of course those stereotypes or whatever exist because they exist everywhere. But that's not, like, there's, like, a dis, like a initial, I think, distrust, too. Where it's like, they would want to make sure that it's, like, what you say is real. 
Yeah, well, I think there's also a level of anonymity that we kind of create stories about ourselves in the club, right? We use fake names. We sometimes use fake stories because there is a level of protection. And so even when I was meeting my sugar daddy for the first time, I didn't use my real name. I didn't use my real location. I didn't say anything because I don't know this person. Like, it is not a normal date. I'm not going on a normal date. I'm going on, uh, like, a, a business arrangement. If it doesn't work out, I don't want him to know who I am. Well, and you did have a... I don't know if you want to share this, but you did have, like, a negative... That one was just really weird because... I went out with this guy and he was really nice and I liked him a lot. Um, He seemed really great. He was really enthusiastic. We went out to dinner. He took me to a really great restaurant. Very fancy. It's also fun because it's somewhere I would never be able to afford myself. So it was really nice. uh, Had a little moose bouche. Yeah, I had so many moose bouches. (laughs) Tiny food. That's how you know it's fancy. Real tiny food. And got like a drink while we were there and I ended up getting so sick later um and I had gone with him to a bar but I was like so sick that I could barely like lift my head up and I hadn't really drinking anything I drank lots of water I had one glass of like champagne and it was insane how how drunk I was. I don't really even know. Like, it was insane. Like, I could not see straight. I was, like, falling over. He kept being like, oh, like, let me just take you back to my house. Like, I'll take care of you. And I was like, no, I don't want to go back to your house. I don't want to go back to your house. And he was like, no, 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 I'll, I'll take you. And I was like, no, I'm going to be fine. And I left and I was walking and I, like, kept falling down. Yeah, it was scary. And I have a I have my same boyfriend that I did now and I would always text him when I was going on a date for safety so he knew where I was I just thought like I'm just gonna because I had the car because I always bring the car to my dates just in case for any reason I need to leave so I got to the car and like I was worried he was gonna come up to my car so I like an idiot I like drove it like a block away and parked but it was so scary because I was like yeah I like kept falling down and I couldn't see straight and I like got to the car and then I just locked myself in the car and I called him and I was like I need you to get me and like I don't even know where I am like I drove a block from like the bar and I had to find like I just sent him a GPS ping and he had to take an uber to the car and I was just like sitting there and I was like I don't know what happened like I I don't know why like I got so sick and but it wasn't until the next day where I was like that was really weird. That was a really weird, yeah. really sketchy situation. And because you were kind of a lightweight, but yeah, that's. I mean, you got drugged. Yeah. I mean, there's no way. Like, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. And I feel like because he was like so, like, let me take you home. Let me take you home. It just yeah. seems like too, too like weird. Because I feel like okay. If I was him, now of course I'm not him, I'm your best friend and I'm also a woman. But like if I was him and and like I'm paying this girl to go on a date with me, okay, and then she starts like falling over and she's getting super wasted and like she had one drink, I'd probably be like, okay, you need to go home, like you're a mess. 
I like feel weird about this. This is like sketching me out. But he's like, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I thought I thought something similar because I also felt embarrassed because anytime I get drunk, I get really embarrassed. And so even though this was a really weird situation, I still felt really embarrassed. Like, oh, my God, I went on this date. It was supposed to be a paid date. I'm supposed to be. I mean, more or less, I'm thinking of it like I need to be a professional. I need to be a professional at my job, mm-hmm. which means I don't drink too much. I don't get drunk. Mm-hmm. I stay on my game. I stay on my guard. And I didn't do any of those things. So I feel embarrassed. We've talked a lot about what it means to be a sugar daddy and sugar baby. But how do you know if someone is pretending to be made of sugar when they're really a salty mess? Well, I will tell you because I have a great story. (laughs) So Darby hasn't heard this one in a while. So if she's laughing a lot, it's because she's remembering it was so bad. So when I first decided that I was going to try my hand at this sugaring thing. I got onto Seeking, I made an account, I put some cute little pictures up, and I waited. And it did not take very long before I got my first little ping, and uh, I found this human man. And uh, the first tip for how to spot a fake sugar daddy is he asks you to meet him for dinner at a fast food restaurant. That is a good way to say, wow, this person does not prioritize money. Being a naive baby, I was like, no, I'm going to go and it's going to be great. And I'm going to be a strong, confident alien woman. And so I showed up to In-N-Out Burger. He asked me what I wanted, which is really funny because... I'm vegetarian, so I don't really eat meat, but I wanted to make a good impression, like an idiot, and so I just ordered something on the menu, and then I was like, "Mm, what about some fries? And he's like, oh no, we'll we'll just, we'll just do that. So that was the first (laughs) and second. No extras, no animal fries for you. No animal fries. We're getting in and out, and your maximum amount is $5 you can spend. Then, after we chatted for a while, we got to the part where we started to discuss money, and immediately he started haggling me down, because I kind of had my set price. I wanted to start at $500 per date, and he automatically, not not a little haggle, like a huge haggle, like down to like 200 And I was like, oh, that's not really like what I'm here for. And that is fine as a sugar baby. You can charge whatever you want, but also know what you want to make. And keep that as your goal. You wouldn't take a job that pays you minimum wage when you're actually needing a job that pays you like $30 an hour. Same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you don't want to do 10 dates. You want to do two yeah. dates. And he, he was only able to do so many dates a month, right? So he said, okay, I can only pay you $200 a month. And I want to be able to text you all the time. And I want you to like send me little videos of you all the time. And I was just like, wow, this guy is a lot. Like, I don't know, like, if I can do this. But we spent, like, the rest of the time, like, sitting and chatting and getting to know each other. He, like, told me about his wife, told me about his kids. I was nice and, like, you know, rubbed his back and gave him hugs and was like, wow, like, thank you so much for sharing. And I just tried to be open and be a good listener and, I don't know, just, like, normal stuff. And then when the date was over, I gave him a hug and I said, like, 
thank you so much. And I went to my car and I got in and I left. And he asked me if he could text me tomorrow. And I said, yes, but just so you know, I work a lot because this is when I was still working and trying to transition from working into sugaring and trying to see if that would work for my life. The next morning, like first thing in the morning, I look at my phone and I, after sleeping, I was like the night off, I thought, okay, no, this guy's not going to work. This is not what I told myself I needed to like replace my job. Like I need this much money a month. I need these types of like circumstances, this type of arrangement, like this guy's not going to work. So I was trying to figure out like a nice way to like kindly be like, I had such a great night last night, but I just don't think the arrangement's going to work. Like I hope you find somebody who works better for you. And I woke up in the morning and he had texted me like, good morning, beautiful. Like, I hope you had such a wonderful night. Like, I miss you like so much. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Like, thank you. And, but I didn't have time to think about it. I had to like run to work. So I got dressed, went to work and I worked like a full day. So it was like a seven hour day. (laughs) I got off my shift. I looked at my phone. I had 50 text messages and like five missed calls. It was insane. And so like I opened it up and one after another, it was like, hey, hey, how are you? I hope you're doing well. Did you have a good day? Like, why won't you talk to me? Like, what's wrong? Like, what did I do? You do you not love me? Like, I love you. I think we should be together. I'm so sorry. Call, miss call. Uh, Please ignore that. Like, I didn't mean that. I hope you're doing well. Is everything all right? Like, can I make it up? You're just like the first person I felt connection with, blah, blah, blah. And it was just like that forever. Miss call, miss call, voicemail, like that. And I was like, oh my God. Like this guy must not have anyone in his life to listen to him because this is insane. So I had to, I just texted him back very nicely. And I said, this is not appropriate. Like I just met you. We went on our very first date last night. I told you I was going to work. This is not okay. This is not how you treat anybody, any sort of relationship. I hope you find exactly what you're looking for, but this is not going to work out. I sent it to him. I blocked his number and I deleted him from my phone. Well, a day later, he used his friend's phone to start calling me and texting me again. And it was ridiculous. And I listened to the voicemail because I was curious. And it was just this like 10 minute ramble on how we were soulmates. And I was like, holy shit, holy shit. And after, I mean, that was such a great learning experience because I really realized like I need to have boundaries. I need to be clear. I need to know what I'm going in for and, and establish that at the beginning and not waver because ladies and gentlemen, that is not a sugar daddy. That is a stalker, and that is somebody who's trying to take advantage of you. We'll be ending our episode with letters of love. We would like to thank all of those who submitted a thank you letter. We're always on the lookout for more stories from our great community. Be sure to send your stories, anecdotes, and anything else you think we should be talking about to babesofvalhalla at gmail.com. All of our letters were submitted as written letters, so Charlie and I are both reading our own, Scarlett is reading in the place of East Coast Babe, and I am also reading for Stacey. To my sweet Sam, I miss you. Our relationship was my first long-term sugar arrangement, and my favorite. 
I had gone on a handful of other dates, but it never clicked. Then I met you. Our first date was dinner and a movie. We ate sushi and saw an indie flick. You were so nervous, I think partly because you were afraid you are going to be recognized with a girl half your age, and because you hadn't been on a date for a decade. We finally settled down into our seats at the theater when two people you knew walked in. You jumped to your feet and safely distanced yourself from me, then greeted them. I played on my phone and pretended not to know you. The lights dimmed and you slinked back next to me. You kept your hands to yourself the entire movie. Even in the dark, you were nervous. Later over dinner, I left my hand on the table, encouraging you to take it. You just stared at it. Do you want me to hold your hand? He nodded. I opened my hand up even more. He finally reached across the table. I found you quirky and incredibly charming. Being with you was watching you open back up after a decade of being closed. Each date, you spoke a little more, joked a little more, and reached out a little more. You are kind, loving, thoughtful, and I loved all the time we got to spend together. Yours truly, Charlie. Dear Sugar Daddy, Ever since we met in Florida almost five years ago, I'm still surprised that you've stuck around. You were the first person I've ever agreed to go off-world with, and I've always appreciated the way you respect me and my boundaries, and how you've kept all your promises. I've always felt lucky to have you in my life, and I'm grateful for the financial security that you've given to me over the years. Most recently, I've really appreciated and been so thankful for your financial support during the COVID-19 shutdown. Because of you, I was able to keep my savings saved, pay all my monthly bills, and amazingly enough, pay a huge chunk of my student loan debt. I appreciate all the little gifts you send, holiday cards, and how you support all of my life goals. I'm looking forward to our first trip together this October. Thank you for being everything you promised. Hugs and kisses, your space babe, Darby. Dear Sugar Daddy, the blocks didn't prepare me for this. Arrangements, they describe, likening relationships to articles of clothing so easily taken in and out of one another's closets. We went shopping on our first date, and you gave me several hundred dollars to accompany you through the boutiques and for lunch. I thought I would hang up my new wardrobe and my new daddy. Unfortunately, people are not shoes. Human beings are tough to wear as a statement piece, not so easily put on hangers to take out only when the owner sees fit. When I started sugar dating about a year ago, I discovered the difficulty in maintaining a strictly professional relationship with my on and off again sugar daddy. You told me not to call you Sugar Daddy. Out of respect, I never did to your face. But we all knew what it was. You always said you wanted to make my life easier. You absolutely did. Without your help, I would not have been able to pay off some extremely large debts or finance my future goals. It's incredibly generous, and I'll never forget what you've done for me. It's also been challenging. We set up boundaries, and I let you cross them. I know I had a personal responsibility for upholding those boundaries, but I have a resentment that you guilted me for my time and my emotional labor. You are a grown man, and it is unfair for you to believe that I should be spending all of my free time with you. The unexpected gifts and surprises are amazing, but you know that I'm busy and I cannot rearrange my life for you. I am sometimes surprised by your lack of coping skills, but I am happy when I can be there for you to listen and help soothe one of my favorite nights was singing oldies with you. 
You were always hot and never liked to sit in your car, but we had such an amazing duet going and trying new foods. Thank you for being open-minded and drinking smoothies with me. I'll always think of you when I go to our favorite juice place. Sometimes I feel sick and sad thinking of the lies you have told. It's been a little while and I honestly miss seeing you. Things haven't been perfect and I've been insincere too. It's difficult to justify being mad at you for being dishonest in a relationship that is built around falsehood. But in the end, we are two real people with lots of real moments. So you can objectify me and I will continue to commodify you. Maybe we can have some laughs along the way. Sincerely, East Coast Babe. Dear Dom, Daddy, Eric, it's wild that we lived across the street from each other for six years and it took seeking arrangements to bring us together. I'm sorry your wife is such a prude, dried up bitch because no one has eaten my pussy as good as you do, ever. She has no idea what she's missing. I love being your good little whore and receiving instructions from you all week as a build-up to our meet on Thursdays. When you restrain me and fuck my throat, I appreciate that you always are checking in that I'm breathing. I've been using your allowance to pay my divorce attorney, and I love it when you mail me surprise sex toys and outfits. It's funny that you think I'm 10 years younger than my actual age, but I guess people believe what they want to. I know you say I'm your fantasy, but believe me, you are my fantasy. The only thing that is awkward is when I see your kids at the bodega trying to buy snacks, or when we bump into each other at CVS. I'm highly certain your wife didn't notice you pinching a stranger's ass in line at the pharmacy, but we should be more discreet in general. Love your BB, Cece. Thank you for tuning in to part two of Sugar Daddies. All references for this episode can be found in our pod description. Join us next Tuesday for another episode of Babes of Valhalla. Next week's Storytime with Sluts is back. Darby has a new short story to share, full of one percenters, questionable fashion choices, and a little internal reflection to top it all off. You won't want to miss it. In the meantime, to soothe your aching loins, you can find us on Instagram at Babes of Valhalla. If you'd like to email us with an anecdote for upcoming episodes, check our social media for themes that we are currently researching and send your comments, stories, or voice recordings to babesofvalhalla at gmail.com. Until next time, stay nasty. Babes of Valhalla is written and produced by the Babes of Valhalla, otherwise known as your illustrious lieges, Darby and Charlie. Music provided by the musical genius, Gemini Genesis. <laughs> <laughs>